Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Spring matching is something I think the entire country can get behind. (laughs) Pete Thamel. Who would have thought we'd have an SEC head coach lobbying for the Fauci Cup before the season even started? (laughs) Congratulations, Coach O. And SI's Pat Forty. And as much as you can look and say, okay, the medicine got us to this point, I don't think there's any doubt that the external pressures, political pressures, social pressures, cultural pressures were very much part of this as well. And here's Dan. Ah, welcome to the Big Ten is back pod. (laughs) Yeah, baby. This is not an emergency pod because we had one scheduled anyway at this time, but we would have done one. Exciting news out there. The Shakespearean drama of the Big Ten to play or not to play. That is the question. Has been answered, potentially. They want to play. Looking at October 23rd and 24th start. Eight-game regular season. That means they got to play eight straight weeks. December 19th, championship Saturday. They will all play. It's a novel little twist. We will have the Big Ten championship game plus an additional games right down uh, division versus division. Mano o Mano, first, second place in the East, second place in the West, all the way down to the what I would what I'm calling the gutter bowl. <laughs> <laughs> personally, most excited about Rutgers, <laughs> Illinois. Let's go. They should play <laughs> that game in Shreveport. <laughs> yes. It'll definitely be sleeting on December nineteenth. <laughs> Both teams are likely to claim they have a lot of COVID, even if they don't. <laughs> right. Oh, just can't make that one. Sorry. <laughs> Last year, it would have been 1-8 uh, Northwestern hosting 0-9 Rutgers. Woo! Now, imagine imagine the crowd for that outdoor game on the banks of Lake Michigan on oh. December 19th. Yikes. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, does the so, two-win team get to host the one-win team? I don't is know. That-, <laughs> that actually is yet to be determined, but uh, I'm hoping. But anyway, look, they're gonna make uh, they're gonna make it back. This has been absolutely fascinating to watch. I found it highly entertaining. Others did not because they actually were more closely involved. I certainly get it. If it was your team, this was uh, not fun. If you were a player, not fun. If you were Kevin Warren, not fun. But uh, what do I care? Look, as we said, things changed about a week ago dramatically. I know everyone is and their brother is claiming credit or claiming they know why all this is going down or it's this pressure, it's that, it's this embarrassment. All the people I talked to, the number one thing remained daily rapid testing 
the ability the Big Ten thinks they will have the end of October to test. And if you have rapid testing and you can test every day, it shouldn't be that hard to, to play college football. The other is obviously the uh, inflammation of the heart that apparently the Big Ten just got wrong back in August. I don't know what their doctors were seeing. They now are, those fears are alleviated. The Big Big 12 ACC and SEC were not necessarily scared of that. Whatever it is, football is back. It took a while. We had a hot mic yesterday in Nebraska. The Nebraska hot mic got it wrong. I mean, even the president of Nebraska had the story wrong. <laughs> the president of Nebraska did not know when the presidents of the Big Ten would actually announce this. I mean, that's some pretty good that's some pretty good stuff. And uh, but whatever, we're back. So, Pat, your thoughts on the Big Ten's uh, return to play boomerang back into the season? It's interesting. You went Shakespearean. I went biblical. So this is the Big Ten commandments <laughs> with uh, thou the shalt play son. football and thou shalt play in the fall when there is a playoff by golly. And thou shalt not kill the golden goose of television revenue. And thou shalt honor the angry and the loud and listen to the parents, honor the fathers and mothers. So here we are. I thought they put together a pretty compelling case today for why they're going forward with playing. Uh, And Morton Shapiro, the president of Northwestern, who is the head of the President's and Chancellor's Committee, used the line that, you know, when the facts change, the the opinions change. And I think the facts have changed sufficiently that you can you can justify playing a schedule. As you mentioned, the daily rapid testing, the reappraisal of the myocarditis situation. I was impressed with the green, yellow, red levels of positivity testing that they're going to use as benchmarks, putting that out there for people. So that we have an idea, 21 days out for players, if you test positive, that's a significant deal. So it's not like they're just charging into this cavalierly, I don't think. I think they're trying to safeguard this as well as they can. However, all that said, and as much as you can look and say, okay, the medicine got us to this point, I don't think there's any doubt that the external pressures, political pressures, social pressures, cultural pressures were very much part of this as well. The people screaming at the Big Ten from players to parents to coaches to athletic directors to the president of the United States and other lawmakers to people that filed suit. And then also, frankly, to watching everyone else play or not everyone else, but the other schools, the, you know, the, the ACC, the Big 12, knowing that the SEC was going to play, seeing high schools around them play. I just think that that added up to further pressure of you you have to justify why we're not. And I think at the end they decided, let's just do it. Let me be clear. No doubt that stuff played. If, if everyone was like, oh, you're not playing cool. Let us know when you are. <laughs> Spring sounds good. Then they wouldn't have worked this hard to find a way to do this. I, I 100% agree with you on that. There was pressure that caused them to find, but I do I don't know that if they didn't have the rapid testing that this was ever right. Done. No, I mean that 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 that's the baseline. But I do think but, that, but I agree. Yeah. If they were just eh, we're good with it, no problem. Right? The squeaky wheel gets the oil, and they got a lot of oil here. <laughs> if you had to fit the Big Ten decision on a fortune cookie, it would say rapid testing dot central Arkansas. 
<laughs> because if rapid testing, we've gone over that. It's it's a great point. It makes perfect sense. The NFL showed the way. But once Central Arkansas started playing multiple games, I really think that's when the internal tenor and, and like the visceral power of college football being played on televisions. And Saturday, when the, the key meeting, Morty Shapiro said on the Big Ten call, was was happening, there were games starting at noon, and they went all the way to midnight. If you count Kansas, Coastal Carolina as an actual game, it was it was at least it was at least a scheduled game. Um, and so, I really think you can't underestimate Iowa State hosting Louisiana, Notre Dame playing Duke, as Dan's pointed out, just right in the middle of the Big Ten footprint, like that power of that possibility um, really resonated with, uh, with with Big Ten coaches, with athletic directors. And at that point, the presidents had to say others figured it out. We need to take a long listen on how to figure it out. Yeah, as I think we mentioned at Notre Dame. They respect Notre Dame. Yeah. They may not respect Central Arkansas, these presidents, but they all sit there and go, oh, Notre Dame's doing it. How's Duke and Notre Dame doing this? And we can't. Like these are these are legit schools because there's an arrogance to the Big Ten. There's no question. Oh yeah, uh, the high school part is big too. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know this thing got hugely political, but it's like in in I live in Michigan. You can play high school football. You can play pro football. You can play college football. They never banned college football. It's just yeah. college was choosing not to. Ohio, uh, Michigan's run by Democrat. Ohio's run by Republican. Exact same thing. Play high school football. You can play pro football. Why aren't the colleges playing? So. It's a little bit of and and I think we've seen like there really hasn't been a lot of transmission on in games, things like that. I you know. Um we so think. We came up we, with, we, I still think the jury's out on that a bit. Well, we it's been a lot of high school football played. Yeah. No, from a high school around, standpoint, yeah. But I'm looking like the 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 Memphis Arkansas State game. I'd still like to to hear some more about that game where both schools have now come out and had to uh postpone their uh game 2 weeks later and there's been a lot of virus on both those teams. Maybe it's coincidence. Maybe that just happened, but some more to know. Now, they they, by the them. way, Ryan Silverfield, the Memphis coach, downplayed the party bus uh, for our listeners who, who heard us yes, talking yeah. about that earlier, in the, which was disappointing because we all wanted to believe Memphis had a party bus. Like, you know, that Memphis, which has given us so many different uh, college athletics, uh, just uh, <laughs> talking points over the years. Uh, yes, there was allegedly just some sort of van that picked up two players that was what what silverfield ended up uh, ended up saying which like which doesn't involve like flashing lights or a pole or anything which makes it a lot less fun yeah that sucks yeah <laughs> that really sucks <laughs> uh, also like if you're gonna get it i'd rather have a get it having fun on a party bus than just like lifting weights or <laughs> some kid at the in the apartment complex at it uh, the Big Ten has set up this uh, mood ring. What do you think of this thing? They have very uh, mood ring, team positivity rate, yeah. and population positivity rate, which is basically people, the general college town. I'm not sure no. they have that figured out. Yeah, that's that. According to Borchers, Jim Borchers, the Ohio State medical guy on the call, it sounded to me that the population was the team population, like support staff, oh. coaches. So it's a pretty limited group. All right, still. All right. It's not not just an outbreak in Iowa City. And right. we shut. They don't so want to be responsible green for that. Zero to two percent. So if you're green, green, you're good. If you're green, orange, you're good. Orange, orange or orange, red is trouble. <laughs> red, red. We're, that's it. No word on green, red. I don't know what. <laughs> Uh, this thing is going to be classic. Steve Politi of the uh, 
uh, our buddy in New Jersey said, uh, if Ohio State gets to red, red, the league will suspend all football activities at Rutgers until that number improves. <laughs> uh, very good. Very good, good line. <laughs> so uh, if you get a positive test, you're out 21 days. That's not good. Uh, so look, this is... <laughs> They should be able to control this with the daily testing. If you just look at the logistics of how daily testing is work, someone finally gets it, you know, right away, you isolate them. It controls breakouts, but you're going to try to play nine games in nine weeks. And that ain't easy. No. So uh, we'll see how they pull that off. Uh, You have a couple other aspects here. Uh, No fans are allowed in. Uh, So the stadiums will be empty, which is going to be. It's crazy in an NFL stadium, but I mean the the horseshoe, the big I mean three good. three of the biggest, maybe the biggest stadiums in America, you know? Yeah. The Penn State with nothing, just this game. Uh family is might be allowed in. I'm dying to see this. You're gonna have like this guy walks up to Nebraska Stadium, like, you know, I'm Jones's dad. <laughs> Sir, you're an 83-year-old farmer from <laughs> West Nebraska. <laughs> Jones is a 19-year-old African-American from Dallas. With your ra- racial profile? All right, come on in. Whatever. I have a feeling it's going to be a lot of family in Nebraska. A lot of family. A lot, lot of family, maybe 50,000 family. No, I don't know. And then you're going to have the outdoor games right into potentially, if they're not renting domes on December 19th, the week before Christmas outdoors in the Midwest, and not just the Midwest, the upper Midwest. Those of you who do not live in the Midwest, it's a big difference between Columbus, Ohio, and Minneapolis, Minnesota, yeah. and Lincoln, Nebraska, and w- Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. So I am hoping for these guys that it is not that bad. Uh, any game that gets down below into single digits is just brutal, and Ugh. it can get way below that in those areas. Uh, I think I said the other day I covered, I've covered a, Three games at Green Bay in the playoffs and one at, at when Minnesota had the outdoor. They're playing at the University of Minnesota, six below. That that game should be canceled if that's college kids. Seriously, yeah. like that's yeah. that's not fair. It's ba- it's one thing if the pros want to take that beating, but it's that's pretty much unsafe. But um, we all so, have weather apps. Like if it's going to be six degrees on Monday, just move it to Indianapolis. Minneapolis is easy. Detroit, it's not hard. I mean, yeah. you only have a couple hundred people that you have to deal with in terms of a fan. Now I know it's not, it's not like somebody goes into Silverdome and flips a light switch on, right. Or for whatever it's called. Like there's more than that. But like, I, I do think like, yes, if, if we're going to get health and safety of student athletes shoved down our throat for three months, the big 10 should make some decisions about health and safety on the field and playing in those types of climates is not good for health and safety. Yeah. No, I mean, no doubt, but, those are also those are NFL stadiums you mentioned. What are they are they going to be booked in December? I mean, we we don't know. Like they they've got to uh, hash out. The Lions know. won't be. <laughs> well, in December no, they will be. December. They're still playing regular season in December. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm so kidding. it's you know I mean the, the playoffs don't start. When do the playoffs start, Dan? Like around Christmas or in January? No, January. Okay. So yeah, the, I mean there 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 could be booking problems with the indoor facilities. The well, other you thing, might only need to get uh, a couple. You don't. It doesn't have to be like. That's where St. The Lions are playing. They got they're playing at home on Sunday, December 13th. They are not play, They're on the road December 6th and on the 20th. So mm-hmm. you can play games in there. Yep. Um, 
When this was originally going down, I had a source tell me if we start playing before Thanksgiving, we're going to play on campus. I mean, uh, before Halloween. If we start playing after Halloween, we have to get domes. And that was when they didn't know how, you know, how long this tricks in. I don't want to go through every machination that the league came up with because there was a gazillion, as you might imagine. But, you know, that's it's just where, you know, it's it's a it's it's just something that they're going to have to deal with. So you could secure like Ford Field uh, looking here Sunday, December 13th, Minnesota's on the road. You could secure it that weekend. You could secure a couple domes and. It, you know, probably not going to be that cold everywhere. It's really those right. Nebraska, Iowa, Wisconsin, and uh, and Minnesota. But but anyway, we'll see. I mean, who cares? We're playing football, right? Yeah. Like, no, I mean, there's things to work out. There's things to work yeah. out. But the other thing, and this is this is actually applicable to all the leagues. But the the thing that that somewhat uh, humors me about this December schedule is. Remember when all the conference championships had to be that first weekend of December because there were finals after that, and we could not interrupt the student athletes' oh, yeah. finals. And eh, now, yeah, fine, we'll just play right through <laughs> it. Doesn't matter. Come on, the whole league finals are for suckers. Can't have the playoff get bigger. Yeah, because right. you'd play in December. Not because we have to protect our buddies who run bowl games. No, 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 no. Nothing to do with that. <laughs> yeah. It's the finals. Yeah. So even if only eight teams are playing in mid-December, that would be not allowed. <laughs> well, the Big Ten, Jim Delaney's league just said all 14 are playing. <laughs> <laughs> On the 19th of December. Yeah. All 14. We have to have Rutgers get nine games in this year. Got to. About Gotta 10 years it. ago with realignment, college sports just turned into an inventory. Like it's just <laughs> like, like all decisions are based on inventory. And you can say neat, creative. Da, 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 da. No, that is a pure inventory play. Iowa playing Michigan State on December 19th in the bitter cold of one of those places is inventory, inventory, inventory. That's it. There's nothing else. Sure. Yeah. So this may may lead the way to the eight game playoff, eight team playoff. I don't know. Uh, all right. Other big thing. SEC already moaning. I uh, can't say I blame them, but they got 10 games. Big 10 might only have nine or 11. I guess you'd have 11 if you win the should. It, is that fair? How, how are you going to work this on the, the college football playoff? If you only have nine wins, should a nine and two SEC team or a a ten and one get the get the nod over a nine win big big ten team. What do you think? Uh, well, I think that might be possibly a part of the motivation to have everybody play nine games as well, in addition to inventory. But is to say, hey, we're close to their ten. They've only got ten. We're going to all play nine. They'll have a couple teams that'll play eleven. But what's the big difference? Which has kind of been the SEC's argument the other way. Like, eh, we played eight league games. Y'all played nine. It's close enough. Plus, our league's better. You know, but that's a guarantee that will be a big talking point. We discussed a little bit in the last pod. I think that if you thought the playoff would had been controversial before, we are set up for some major controversy this time around, just in terms of how many games can you play? Who do you play? How many data points do you have uh, for the for the committee? Uh, so that's going to be fascinating to me to see that 
whole taffy pull play out. Yeah, I think Ralph Russo pointed out on Twitter yesterday, and he may not have been the first. He was the first I saw that the just grand irony that's going to smack us in the teeth of the SEC saying, well, we played more conference games. <laughs> it's tougher. Like, it's just like it's going to be like completely hilarious for the fine bomb set to have the uh, the, the the roles reversed on uh, on on them. And uh, I'll be interested of the SEC to see if they have announced daily rapid testing soon. Oh, I think that um, I think people will be upping their testing rapidly on rapid tests, rapid tests. Yes, which is great, by the way. Like we yeah. test safe, clean. We're all pro that. There is, uh, I mean, this is where I think, in hindsight, the Big Ten's messaging was all wrong, and it's easier to do in hindsight. But they needed to come out in, on August 11th and say we can't do this until we have rapid testing, right? And and set that as the bar, yeah. And then wait, mm-hmm. and then say, hey, now that we have it, we're playing. Instead, it was so muddled. It was just so confused because, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to be the one that's, you know, boy, the Big Ten did it the right way because they if they did, it's purely by accident. (laughs) Yeah. But what everyone else is trying before the rapid testing is literally just we're just winging it. We have no idea if this is going to work, which is why we have so many games getting canceled. You just don't know. There's no way to sure. And control it. You're just hoping your players don't get it in any number. Or, uh, as we'll talk, like the Fauci Cup, people have truly embraced the Fauci Cup. Like, LSU's pretty excited. They got almost everybody done. And, uh, which I predicted a long time ago, but I didn't you think did. they'd actually say say the quiet part out loud. Um, <laughs> in June, but, I believe you were on that. Why, why would I thought coach- we'd have an SEC head coach lobbying for the Fauci Cup before the season even started? <laughs> Congratulations, if, if Coach If one o. was going to do it, Coach O, he doesn't have yes. a quiet voice. Yes, yes. that's a good point. <laughs> we're going to win the Fauci Cup. Yeah. Roll oh, time, Fauci. We yeah. coming. We coming. Yeah. We coming. Fauci, <laughs> we coming. Take your mask off. The right way to do this is, is rapid testing. You will now have... A, I, I believe a safe and you'll be able to play all the games and you're going to be able to get this done. The proper way for college football to have probably done this entire thing is everybody is starting on October 24th and you're playing an entire season and you're finishing like on, on February 2nd, like you're playing, you know, something like that. Like you're playing the championship game the day before the Super Bowl. That's probably the right way. Cause as we've seen, we're two, we have, we have, I think, uh, 23 games this weekend or something like that. Like, you know, we've had all these cancellations. There's going to be more. There's nobody I talk to in the SEC that thinks every SEC game will be played. I mean, they hope so. But just realistically, yeah, probably something's going to get postponed. So they're going to probably do it the right way. But they, they, if they had just said that and said, this is our standard until we get that, we aren't doing it. And now that we have it, we're doing it. They could have avoided all sorts of... <laughs> heartache, pouting, protests, lawsuits uh, would have been terrible for our podcast. So I'm in favor <laughs> of the way they did it. Yeah. But I think that was the issue. They just they didn't explain it and they didn't really know. Yeah. Uh, so I think like the Pac-12 is kind of sitting there quietly. Well, if we can get the states to let us go. Uh, and then and now the Big Ten can sit back and watch and see what the SEC does. And if the SEC, if the start of these if we're still into mid early October and we're getting canceled, canceled games or postponed games, and I don't know that we obviously there's no way to predict that, but 
is a probability, then the Big Ten kind of practically is going to be sitting there snickering, saying, hey, I should have waited a couple more weeks. Sure. No. And, and they will snicker. Trust me. They will oh, snicker. Of course they will. Of course. They'll, they they, the, they all, took their woodshed beat down. Yeah. Now they're going <laughs> to. <laughs> well, all they, the fans who thought it was the biggest travesty and the worst leadership on the history of the planet to not play and not be out there September 5th and September 12th and September 19th and September 26th. Yeah, then they'll be sitting there. See, we knew all along. We're the smart conference. We were cautious. It'll be the 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 amount of double standarding that goes on will be uh, immense and and pretty humorous. That's for sure. You know, one thing that I that I'm going to be looking for now because we're just the, the schedule as we know it with September 26th in the SEC and now October 23rd, 24th in the Big Ten is just completely different. And we've come to a point in college football where skipping bowl games has become expected. Skipping the season like Nick Bosa essentially did two years ago, and now Jamar Chase and others are, are sort of jumping on board with opt-outs. Do we start to see just like midseason opt-outs, like some really good player in the Big Ten has three, four good games, doesn't want to go play in three consecutive snowballs and, and risk injury. Like I think we'll be seeing midseason walkouts at a level that we have not seen them before. And I think this is going to change the how that those decisions are made in the future because they were always in a very refined myopic space, right? Either left, you know, for the draft before or you waited the whole season. And I think now you're going to see this in all kinds of uh, in all kinds of different ways. And I think that's kind of a fascinating thing. I, I had a head coach say to me uh, a couple weeks ago, like, yeah, you know, we get a guy. He may just flash for three, four games and then declare. And I was a little bit like, huh, like that. That's just not anything you're used to hearing in the uh, vernacular. Certainly for those with the carrot at the end, it was interesting to me when I uh, broke the story that's since been reversed about Wyatt Davis, the Ohio State guard, declaring for the draft. You know, that playing for the national championship has been a huge driver for him and all these Ohio State players. So once that carrot gets removed from all these schools, right, once the playoff is gone, once it's canceled off the list, like say Michigan loses two games in the first month, they have... Quiddy Pay, Aiden Hutchinson's, you know, these guys are really good pro prospects. Do they just do they just peace out now because it's it's become so commonplace? No, other than the fact that I mean, the structure of the season kind of gave guardrails, I guess, to players in terms of when they were opting in, opting out. But th this is a, such a completely unstructured season and such an unusual time that yeah, I don't think that anybody is feeling necessarily beholden to. A timetable. And, and one of the things, too, you know, as is, is we've seen is there's less and less recrimination for somebody who just opts out. So I don't think players will sit there and say, I got to keep going because I don't want the blowback from the fans. I think if they feel like they want to go, they're going to go. Kind of hard. I mean, you do have the rivalry games. So they're, you know. If you're a Michigan kid, do you, do you, do you bail on Michigan-Ohio State just because you lost the game? Maybe. Uh, well, we will see on that. Now, as for the Pac-12, players are starting to make some noise now. They're kind of following the other blueprint. Single biggest issue, obviously, is, is all four California schools and both Oregon schools cannot gather and practice right now. Uh, with half the league like that, uh, that's the case. That's now the, the Pac-12 has said if we can get we can convince local health officials that with the rapid testing, we can do this safely. They're going to ask for some kind of waiver. I would not be surprised they get that waiver because I don't think that those those governors and stuff want to stand in the way of football being played. There's a reason that the NFL is going. No politician wants to say I'm the one holding up the NFL. 
Like that's that you're not that's not going to go well. Right. Uh, but there are also much other, you know, there's there's the virus. There are protests. There is massive fires across the West. I mean, there's a lot of issues that are a little more important than whether we get the Cal Bears playing football. <laughs> yeah. Not a top priority. So be interesting to see. But I think the, the rapid testing on, on that. But what, where's your thought on, on where we're at with the Pac-12? Well, that's they've obviously they got major stumbling blocks to being able to get going. And and you you mentioned them. I mean, you've got you've got to convince state and local officials that it's okay to play. Uh, you've got to be able to breathe the air. And I know for a fact they they have not been swimming at Stanford hardly at all in the last couple of weeks because the wildfires, the air quality is terrible. So if they're not swimming, they're not going to be practicing football either. You know, could change by October, whenever, you know, they, they could try to get this thing going. But for now, it's bad. It's real bad. You know, yeah, the third factor, too, is you've got institutions that I think are much less football crazy, frankly, you know, and, and so... If, you've, if Stanford has a completely closed campus and Cal has a closed campus, they're not going to sit there and say, oh, well, we're, well, we're just going to throw all that out and we're going to play football. That's that's very unlikely to be the thought process there. Now, they don't want to be the outliers that don't, and maybe they could be swayed into it by a group decision, but they would go into those meetings, the presidents of those schools and probably in the southern part of the state too, at USC and at UCLA and saying, it's going to take a lot of convincing for me to say, as the president of this school, yeah, we're going to green light football. Yeah, th- those are great points, Pat. The on-the-ground situation in California and Oregon, especially with the wildfires complicating the – this is a bad week to start this push, right? Because, you know, like Governor Gavin Newsom is going to be a key figure in this in the state of California. You really think with wildfires raging up and down in that state, he's going to cut out a bunch of time to listen to the Pac-12 plead about playing football like it doesn't it doesn't make a ton of uh, a ton of sense. Uh, In a way, I think one of the key moments to enable the Big Ten to do this came from Larry Scott. I think when the Pac-12 announced the daily rapid testing, that was really like a key moment of possibility for the entire sport. And I think that uh, I think that people really took note of that in Big Ten circles saying, wait a minute, if Larry Scott can pull this off and they can have daily rapid testing, there's no reason that we we can't. And I think that that was one of the seeds of possibility that was uh, that was planted throughout all this. You know, I've been going back and forth with some folks out west in Pac-12 today like. There is a desire for some to kick the tires, but it is not a like burning Ryan Day, James Franklin. We're going to march to San Francisco and picket the conference office desire. It is a it is a we should exhaust every possibility because this doesn't look great. Mountain West is reevaluating things and trying to find a thing, too. I don't know whether they're more likely. They have California. They have three schools in California. That's only part of their league, but they certainly have some. Uh, so I don't know if they get back into this thing. They've got three California schools and they've got some some budget strapped schools that if you're going to say you got a daily test to get into this. I mean, if it comes out of the Mountain West budget as opposed to the school's budgets, I think they, they could maybe be swayed a little bit more. But uh, that's not a rich conference, per se, just like the MAC. The yeah. MAC is saying they're going in the spring. Right. Yeah. Might start in February. I, for one, am 100 percent for this. <laughs> we want our we want our spring MAC. <laughs> Spring matching uh, is something on. I think the entire country can get behind. Uh. 
we will we will have to do a live pod from like Bowling Green yeah, on baby. a Tuesday night. Yeah, outside a bonfire. No, they got Saturdays free now, buddy. <laughs> All right. The, the action in the spring. I don't care if you've never. I don't care if you're a college football fan. How is this a bad thing? You yeah. didn't care about the action, yeah. Unless yeah. there's nothing else to watch, you do not watch the Mac. Well, how about we play when there's nothing else to watch? There you go. It's perfect. Worried about NFL future? Eh. Yeah, really? <laughs> I think I think three Mac players were drafted last year, and one was a kicker, a punter. The Mac actually is a, a robust history of. Uh, it, it does. Getting, I did a I did a store. I think it was Green Bay and the Steelers when they played the Super Bowl. X, I don't know whenever, and they had uh, they were second to the SEC and most players in the Super Bowl uh, ahead of everybody else. They had they had a whole bunch of guys in the league, including Roethlisberger, and, yeah. and things well, like that. So yeah, they actually produce a lot of uh, NFL talent. But uh, yeah, I love that. Uh, someone also said maybe that Big Ten gutter game could be we could uh, if that sticks around. And the the Big Ten starts playing everybody on on the championship game. They could have the 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 relegation like they do in the with the Mac Champ. That would, obviously yeah. not going to happen, but it sure would be fun. Send Rutgers to the Mac and uh, Western Michigan like you, to the to the Big Ten. Yeah. If you lose this game yeah. in the gutter game, you're going to the Mac next year. And at the same time, the Mac champion. If you win. You're going to the Big Ten. It'd be a motivator. Like, it'd be a motivator, although, you know, either way, you're going to get your ass. And then, I mean, I don't know. Maybe at some point you're like, dude, I'm like 3-27 and 27 in this conference playing. Maybe I want to go to the MAC <laughs> and just win it. Yeah. I don't go know. Go 7-2 in league play instead of 1-8. and eight. Yeah. Obviously not going to happen, but I wish it would. All right. This week, we've had a lot of action in the Fauci Cup standings. Big statement by Texas Tech on Monday. <laughs> Texas Tech said that they have uh, 116 guys in their football team, I guess. 123. There's the stats on Texas Tech. Okay, give it to me. 75 positives, 69 recovered, 6 active. They have 123 players, which that was a stat that jumped out to me. Who the hell has 123 players? (laughs) Uh, And uh, they have 116 positive student athletes altogether, and 75 of them are from the football team. Dominant showing by the Red Raider football team. Big time. They did nothing when Patrick Mahomes was there, but they are (laughs) doing some ass-kicking in the Fauci Cup. They are better at the Fauci Cup than they were at football with Patrick freaking Mahomes. (laughs) This is true. Do you think in, like, the Monday Texas Texas Tech team meeting, they did, like, Offensive Player of the Week, Special Teams Player of the Week, Fauci Cup update? You know, like, (laughs) hey! Take that, Clemson and LSU! (laughs) I'd like to thank our linebacking crew for all getting it this yeah, week. Good right. job. Yes. Yeah. I want to thank uh, yeah, the defensive know. backs for going to the bar, yeah. <laughs> going to the sorority house, and uh, you know, finding all the ways to get the virus through the team. But then uh, LSU just said, get the hell out of the way. <laughs> Big dogs are here. Ed Orgeron said he believes most of the LSU football team has caught it. Hopefully they do not catch it again, he said. <laughs> <laughs> It's unbelievable. I mean, maybe my favorite Ed Orgeron quote ever. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get it again. Hope so, coach. Most of the team. I don't know what most is. Numbers are a little fuzzy, as they tend to be. As they tend to be but that is LSU, a yeah. Strong-ass offer by LSU. <laughs> 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 
Look, I I don't know. I uh, I I can't get too worked up over it. They all seem to be recovering. Uh, they're all getting. It's college. This if you don't want to get it, don't go to college. That's rule one. Like, don't work in a meat factory. Don't sing in the church choir. There's certain things just don't do. Go to college to stay away from those places. So anyway, LSU may be the Fauci. We don't have the full numbers, but most seems better than 75, 123. So right now, I think we got the Tigers as number one in the Fauci Cup. The the best thing out of of the the LSU thing was today, Scott Woodward, the AD, saying that Ed was too transparent, too, too open about that. He's like, if no, no actual numbers, you know, which LSU's put out nothing basically in all of this. And now, and now he's, he's chastising his coach for te- being too honest uh, in the whole thing, which is very, very on brand for LSU. That's for sure. They give up little willingly down there. Uh, LSU, thank you for just keeping us entertained by being like the epitome of delirium and this beautiful madness that we have. Like, 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 it's just think about the number of LSU topics we have had on the pod over the years. The uh, John Paul Funis uh, hospital oh. charity scammer, obviously Will Wade strong ass offer, and the what is it? Eleven players the NSA alleges that he uh he paid off in some yes. some way shape or form in the documents yes. and uh now Ed Orgeron just uh you know soon after there was an interesting story in the athletic that basically said that there was some unrest on the LSU team soon after Ed Orgeron went on Fox News and said I love Donald Trump <laughs> and they had a bunch of opt-outs and they had a bunch of unrest and there was clearly some like work Ed Orgeron had to do to get his team back and then for him to stand up there and just be completely tone deaf and almost like be like, we're good. Everybody's got it. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. The, needless to say, my phone lit up with coaches just finding it like all too perfectly on brand for LSU. We don't know about the long term effects. We don't care. They're going to be ready on September 26th. Bring it, baby. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> we coming. Got to get to this. We're not going to be distracted by these. The animals are not going to distract us with our little human games. Uh-oh. This is from uh, thehill.com. Okay. I don't know why the hill is is it's more of a maritime story than a hill, but I don't know. The hill sounds legit. Pod of crazy killer whales is attacking boats. The attacks is seemingly orchestrated behavior. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. They're terrifying sailors and baffling scientists, I'd say. Since late July, sailors have reported seven, several account encounters with orcas in the Straits of Gibraltar that included one boat, tipping one boat sideways, spun another in circles, leaving them rudderless. Wow. There is some speculation. This is not legitimate. What kind of line is <laughs> Some speculation. Here we go. So there's always spec. I read yeah. it on the internet. There's that, some speculation. That's, you can, we can that, at least pick out the key phrases for the listenership that tells them when we got BS here, you know? This is a bullshit story There right is here. some speculation. Okay. There's some speculation these attacks seemed... Seemed orchestrated. There's two qualifiers in one sentence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but scientists don't know for sure. The orcas have not yet made any statements. Oh, see, they're even <laughs> laughing. Uh, love it. Love it. For killer whales to take out a piece of a fiberglass rudder is crazy. Uh, said uh, Rocchio Espada, who works in the marine biology lab at the University of Seville. Okay. I've seen these orcas grow from babies. I know their life stories. I've never seen or heard of attacks. <laughs> life stories. What is their story? They <laughs> swim around and eat. 
<laughs> is there a depth to the orca story? Oh, sure there is. I mean, look, it's obvious they, they are orchestrating and they are organizing because they're smart. These are smart animals, you know? Not that this isn't like a group of wildebeest that have decided to attack mankind. These are, you know, whales are pretty high up there on the intelligence chart. And they're also, these are these are killer whales, right? So they got a little anger in them, a little bit of aggression. And I think we've pushed them too far. Climate change, the water's probably getting warm over there in the Straits of Gibraltar. They know who did it. They're coming after us. I mean, we used to hunt them. Did they fight back then? They would had less Do motivation. Do we still hunt then. them? Can't kill a whale anymore, can you? I don't know. I don't. I, I'm not up on my whaling <laughs> rules and regulations. You're, you like to fish, Pat? <laughs> I do like to fish. Never for a whale. Dan, you grew up in Massachusetts. You know Carvel, the cake company, the ice cream yeah. cake company. Yeah. yeah. You know Fudgy the whale, I, the uh, the big I, I blue whale so. cake. <laughs> it's like the slogan, right? Oh yeah, or no, the, it's like that was like that, that yeah. was like yeah, that was like that that was like the cake you could get is uh, is fudgy the whale. Fudgy the whale would not approve. Of this Anybody message. who got fudgy the whale for their birthday party when they're about seven, that was oh. their parents loved. Oh them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was that was it. That you, was a sign. You ran. I know, it, man. know nothing about fudgy the whale. So. It was an ice well, cream cake. It's okay. your loss, Pat. <laughs> yeah, if you got that whale ice cream cake. You were, I mean, you were really, really? loved by your parents. I led a bad. I, I had a that. bad upbringing. Clearly. Surprise, surprise, I didn't get that. Maybe Pete did. I don't know. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> These things are pricey, Lucky to man. attend a few parties where Fudgy the Whale showed up. Yeah, those are pricey. Uh, all right. Well, we got some games to pick. None of them in the Big Ten. Nope. I call this, uh, we're still ramping up. I think this week's uh, slate is better than than last, which was better than the one before that previously. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that this is the most exciting thing I've ever seen. Oh, no. Uh, it's not a we good have? slate. Well, Dan, the exciting part is how you're going to manage to lose every game again this week. Like, that's that's <laughs> some deft skill that's going to be on display here. That's what our listeners should be on the edge of their seat wherever they are right now. This is going to be something. Uh, we have 23 games if you count Abilene Christian versus UTEP a game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if UTEP's our UTEP homer didn't pick UTEP out yeah. of that, then we all yeah. hope is lost. Hey, Dana Dimmel's job's on the line, all right? You can't play Big 12 teams every week, okay? <laughs> you get your Stephen F, and you pick up your W, you bring Abilene in, and you schedule yourself some wins. You can keep your job and get the Miners back on track, all right? You should know that. Get a, you know, th that's all over the UTEP message boards. Come on. I, I have. I'm, you know, I've been posting my, my <laughs> dismay. I still got to pay off my bet to Aaron Garzen. Forgot about that. Funny how I forget to pay off bets. Never forget what I'm collecting. <laughs> All right, let's pick some games. Sign up for betmgm.com slash Yahoo. New users get 25 bonus dollars upon registration. 25 bucks. No deposit required and can be used immediately. And you receive a 100% deposit match up to 1000 when you make your first deposit. Promo is valid for new users in New Jersey, in West Virginia, Indiana, or Colorado. Got to be 21 years and old or older and terms apply. But check it out, betmgm.com slash yahoo. All right, here's our games. Houston at Baylor, the big noon game on Fox, which I think was scheduled like 45 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Remember 
remember like they, they schedule out games 15 years and now it's just like hey you free next week yeah it's like getting a golf game going <laughs> what are you doing saturday at noon i can play <laughs> baylor's giving four and a half houston at baylor pete start with you all right uh again dan, i was chided by dan for uh telling our listeners to value their money and put money in their 401k but <laughs> if there's ever a game to not bet on it's houston versus baylor all right so Baylor, uh, one of my favorite stats this week is Dave Aranda said this is the third season opener that his program is preparing for right now. All right. So you have a Baylor team with a new offense, a new defense, no spring ball, significant losses, especially on the defensive side versus a Houston team that basically redshirted like 30 dudes last year. So you have no idea what Houston's going to look like. Houston's had some defensive staff changes. Literally, you have no idea what Baylor's going to look like other than Charlie Brewer will be very accurate and they have some decent some decent skill. So many unknown... I mean, look, openers, there's always unknown variables, but I would think this is the most ridiculous amount of unknown variables in this. So I am taking Baylor clearly off brand here and the fact that Clayton Toon is still Houston's quarterback and he's not very good. Oh boy. Yeah. That's thanks for all the confidence in making this pick Pete. No, you're, yeah, I mean like, what can you say? No, like, I know. I know. It's absurd. It's completely absurd. It is totally just throwing stuff at the board on the fly and uh, see what happens. But I didn't think that Dana Holgerson experience got off to a very good start. Uh, I'm not sold whether Dave Aranda is a head coach, but I think he's a good defensive coordinator and he will be able to have some problems for Houston to deal with. If the number is only four and a half, Sully, are we locked in at four and a half or is that line still fluctuating up to kickoff? Uh, that's We're locked in at four and a half now. We're putting in our bets. If we're locked at four and a half, I am definitely taking Baylor because I'm looking at somewhere else that has the line at seven and a half. So give me Baylor and lay <laughs> the four and a half. It opened at seven and a half and it's got bet down to four and a half. Okay. I think it might be three and a half now in many places too. Okay, give me Baylor to Til- lay the points. Tillman Fertitta himself is probably responsible for that line <laughs> he might move because he's so he confident be. in his buddy, uh, his buddy Holgo. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Baylor. I normally take the over here at, at sixty-two and a half. I, I, Houston's defense was a wet paper bag against a lot of good offenses last year. Uh, taking Charlie Brewer more than anything else here. This is a tricky one because during the the shutdown. Dana Holgerson either, either designed a bunch of plays and got into it, or he just sat around and grew his mane out <laughs> to even more spectacular fashion and is basically just cashing checks down there. Don't know which one it is, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bank on Holgo having something. So I'm taking Houston with the points. Something other than Red Bull? Something other than Red Bull. Well, he has to have more than he had last year. So there you go. <laughs> App State, ranked 25th in the country. It's playing Marshall, 3.30 on CBS. How about Holy that? Crap. <laughs> That's your 3.30 CBS game. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. App State giving three. Uh, give me the apps. Uh, people got really excited about Marshall after their first game. They played against Eastern Kentucky, who's horrible. Uh, Eastern Kentucky has played Marshall and West Virginia and lost to the state of West Virginia like 90 to 7 or whatever it was for the two games combined. I mean, they they are no good at all. App State was more challenged in their first game, uh, played a decent Charlotte team. So I, I think App State's certainly the more seasoned, winning DNA sort of program here. So I am taking the apps and laying the points. It, it's funny that my first instant question for all these games is, where is it? And you know what? Yeah, it, it really matter. doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, it, right. it matters, like, but somewhat. like, But no, it really doesn't. Like, it's not like they're going on the rock and the, you know, 
10,000 fans are going to be there an hour before kickoff, throwing bottles at them and, you know, all uh, all having enjoyed some of the finer pale ales that that region uh, has given. Now, it, it doesn't matter. Pound for pound, I think App State is underrated in just the amount of talent they have. They obviously have Zach Thomas back at quarterback. He's accurate. They have a ton of speed. And I think Sean Clark got through his debut there and has a little bit of sense of who they are and what he has now, which would make a difference. Doc Holliday has told me, uh, the Marshall coach, that he does really like Grant Wells, the local kid who won the QB job. He's a redshirt freshman. I think Marshall will have a nice season. I just think App is ahead of them as a program right now and is, you know, I mean, remember App beat North Carolina and South Carolina last year. So, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to pick app to keep rolling. Give me Marshall probably reading way too much in the week one, as uh, Pat alluded to. But Grant Wells, big fan. I'm trusting my eyes here. A lot of tight window throws a couple weeks ago. So give me the herd. All right. I'm taking app state. I agree. Really good program. Do like to see that the game is being played in Huntington, West Virginia. Great town. Mm. Love seeing Huntington get a little hope they get a blimp down there. Hope they really do it up. <laughs> Man. Huntington, West Virginia does not appear for three hours on CBS very often. Uh, no, so no, that's for sure. That part's that, kind of cool. So. That's why Conference USA schools and Sunbelt schools are playing. That's a big part of it. It's like the exposure is unbelievable for them. That said, I'll take App State. All right, number 14, Central Florida versus Georgia Tech. 2.30 on NBC was one of the jokes. Georgia Tech was uh, would have won by more last week, but they were overlooking Florida State for the real Florida opponent they're playing. <laughs> yeah. Good one. Whew, this is a tough one because... UCF's giving seven. I'm right, sorry. UCF right. is giving and seven. And UCF hadn't played yet, and they had 10 players opt out. Big number. Most of them were backups, but two starters on defense and the backup quarterback. Uh, I think there's been some unrest at UCF as well. So I'm, I'm going to take Georgia Tech to cover. I don't know whether they win, but I'm taking them to cover. Impressed by what they did the first week. And I think Jeff Collins has got the team starting to resemble what he wants them to be. Yellow Jackets cover. I agree with Pat's skepticism on UCF. There were a lot of big numbers UCF failed to cover last year as sort of the, the reality of where that program is right now has settled in. All that said, all that said, do we really think Georgia Tech is all of a sudden a juggernaut right now? Come on. I mean, yeah, I just can't fathom UCF can't scrape together. I mean, Georgia Tech, like, needed rocks and glass to score 16 or whatever they ended up with this last weekend. I mean, like, I, I watched way more Georgia Tech football than I ever wanted to. Now, some Georgia Tech fans got me on Twitter because I said they were a year away from being a year away from being competitive. And clearly, they might have only been a week away from being a week away from being competitive. But I am not going to buy into the uh, to the Yellow Jacket hype. They need to earn it. I think UCF ends up rolling, and this is like a, a 28-7 to 7 game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they, uh, that was my nugget. UCF's been terrible against the spread in recent years. Uh, but, yeah, give me give me the Knights. Man, they, uh, these are just so – I mean, you got no idea. No, no idea. I have no idea what UCF's going to be. I'll take a better program, but, man, I'll take them. But Fine, I'm going Wolf on that one, baby. You're going Wolf. I don't know. I could certainly see Tech. Tech looked good last week, but I just think the better program wins at this point. All right, Wake Forest at North Carolina State, 8 p.m. on the ACC Network. How does that not one? They should get that one on CBS. I, don't, I know all these things don't work. That's not how it works, but it seems odd. Um, well, the ESPN controls all the ACC content because they have yeah. the ACC Network. So I think that's one of the few leagues that is 100% 
you know, fo- obviously the Big Ten split between Fox, the SEC, as CBS, Pac-12 split. The Big 12 is split as well. Yeah, the ACC, to my knowledge, is of the five, the only one that is just all one, you know, one big old TV deal, by the way, which is like 10 years too long, and it's going to eventually squeeze the ACC out of relevancy. But we can talk about that like two Mays from now when everything's back to normal and we're bored. Well, on this Saturday, North Carolina State is giving two and a half. So Wake Forest is the dog plus two and a half. Uh, Pete? Dog is a good way to describe this game. I am uh, I am skeptical of where uh, of where NC State is right now. And uh, we saw we saw who Wake Forest was a little bit last week. I do not think this will be a high score game or a particularly artistic game. But at this point, I think we'll go with Dave Clawson and Sam Hartman and Boogie Basham and a little bit more of a known commodity at Wake. NC State has Tim Beck, obviously, in as their new uh, as their new offensive coordinator. They've had some significant COVID disruptions uh, in terms of practice that there will be residual effects for. So I think Wake can grind out a uh, grind out a field goal win. And uh, yeah, this could well be nine six. Agreed. Although Pete did leave out the man crush he has on Clawson. He's one of the one of the one of the crushers there for Pete. I just think that the NC State uh, unsettled situation um, and not just complete unknown, having not played a game yet, coming off of a lot of COVID situations and coming off a really bad season. I'll take Wake. I agree. Give me the Deeks. I'll go with it too. I think they gained confidence uh, having played a game. I just literally have no idea what NC State's going to bring to the table. So I'll, I'll take Wake. I'll go with you guys. Uh, all right. We got a ranked matchup, boys. Ranked what? matchup. How about what? that? I know. There's only one third of the, of the country is ranked. <laughs> App State Marshall should be ranked. Should be. Marshall hey, got yeah, a ranking? Marshall, you can't rank Marshall off of beating Eastern Kentucky. Come on, Sully. Come you on. might be you're, able you're, to. They're ranking a bunch of other teams that haven't played a game yet. Uh, Louisiana technically should be the best team in the country right now. Hey, they're in my playoff. Get Tennessee board, out of so, the top you know. 25. Get every SEC team out of the top 25. Get I, out of here. I agree. I agree. And in my playoff, Louisiana is the number three team in the, in America. So there. That's God, it, it feels like good that. to have Sully just going a random pro Marshall rant. Makes <laughs> it feel like the season's back. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? All right, Miami's at Louisville. Number 17, Miami at number 18, Louisville. 7.30 on ABC. Let's do this. Pat 40, Louisville resident. Who you picking? Game day game, too. You know, we got a lot going oh. on here. A lot yeah, going Louisville on. resident who's not going to the game day game in his hometown, which tells hey. you a little bit about the game day game this week. <laughs> you go cover a game these days, what's the point of being there? You sit in the press box and get on a Zoom call with somebody downstairs, and then you leave. Uh, so I will not. No. Uh, yeah, but, I'm busting your chops. Yeah. No, I understand. <clears throat> I'm going to take the U. Uh, tough call, I think. I, both teams were pretty good in their opener, but the one thing I go, I go back to is the U ran the ball like crazy against a pretty good UAB defense, and Louisville last year was terrible against the run. So I think if they can keep gashing them, um, with Cameron Harris, who had well over 100 yards, and with Derek King scrambling and some designed quarterback runs, I think they will be able to move the ball sufficiently. Uh, I think that this is a pretty good offensive matchup, though. Mikhail Cunningham's played very well for Louisville. They've got some explosiveness, so but I think the Canes uh, will take them to cover and get the road win. 
thankfully I'm going against Pat. He, we were agreeing a little bit too much, and that always that always scares me. That it's going to doom me to another uh, another week of mediocrity or worse. Uh, I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take Louisville. I agree. I think this will be a high scoring game. I I don't really have a faith in either of these uh, defenses, but I think uh, Mikael Cunningham did has showed us consistently and did show us that Louisville will be able to move the ball. And I have a lot of faith in, uh, in, in Scott Satterfield and Wayne Ledford in that Louisville offense. And I always have faith in Tutu Atwell, right? I mean, how can't you? So Louisville's got great skill. They don't have a great defense. They've gotten incrementally better under Brian Brown, and I think they'll be good enough. But this is going to be like a 35-28 Louisville win where they just kind of outlast them. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, and I'm with 77% of the bets uh, so far. Go Cards. I'm going Miami. I'm going the U. Love the ability to run the ball, which I think is uh, was big big for them in that opener. They had 300-something yards, uh, so I'll go with the U. All right, lock of the week time. Pick whatever one you want. Pat, you can start. Okay. Um, I am going to take the North Texas Mean Green to cover against SMU. The Mean Green looked pretty good against CVS University, the team that has the drugstore in the parking lot, Houston Baptist. And while I would put that in the category of Marshall looking good against Eastern Kentucky of who cares, well, CVS University then came back and scored 33 and nearly beat Texas Tech and put up 600 yards. So I'm saying maybe North Texas is pretty good, and they're getting, I believe, 14 and a half, Sully. What do you got on that? Yep, 14 and a half. I like that hook, baby. Give me the hook. Give me the mean green to cover against the Mustangs. So there's a really curious point spread here. I have on our uh, faithful Yahoo Sports app, Southern Miss, five and a half point favorites against Louisiana Tech. Obviously, when we last saw Southern Miss, they were tanking in uh at home against South Al and then running their coach off in like one of the really most uplifting moments of this college football season <laughs> that we had a coach run off amid a, amid a pandemic at a uh, at a low to mid major school. God, God bless it. Louisiana after Texas one were, week. Yeah, after one week. Louisiana <laughs> Tech's a really good football team. They obviously shut out Miami uh, in Shreveport last year in uh, in a bowl game, 14, 14 nothing. They had 38 positive COVID tests uh, because of the uh, because in, in the wake of the hurricane last week. So I have a feeling that the uh, the big number there is because of just the general uncertainty of how many people LaTeX is going to be able to, uh, to to roll out. So with no other knowledge than other than this game is expected to be played, obviously the reason they take out to cancel last week, I'm going to I'm going to have faith in in Skip Holtz. Joe Sloan and the rest of the roster there that they're going to be able to figure out a way to uh, to beat Southern Miss who will be going obviously first game under 30 year old interim coach Scotty Walden who makes less than most chefs in the SEC $110,000 a year so I am going to risk COVID uncertainty please God don't bet this game until like four minutes before kickoff because there could be some big numbers there. But I just really think Louisiana Tech is head and shoulders a better program than Southern Miss. And there's a lot of uncertainty around Southern Miss right now. And so I'm going to uh, I'm going to take I'm going to take Louisiana Tech going against all my advice. Let's just recap this this where we're at that you literally just took a game where one coach is 30 and doing his first game. The other <laughs> had half their roster wiped out by a hurricane and COVID. Yeah. <laughs> 2020, you actually, everyone. 
2020. And you made perfect sense with that selection. You're a very defensible pick. What the hell is going on in this world right now? That is good. I hate the entire board this weekend, so I'm going to be cheering for points. Give me the App State Marshall over at 57. Grant Wells had four touchdowns basically in the first half. Um, Appy State started sloppy. I think he's going to be able to, to, to find some windows. Brendan Knox also is a stud for them. Charlotte found some success on the ground. Both teams are going to put up some points. Give me the over. A lot of windows so, talk from Sully this, this week. A lot of windows. The part of the problem with trying <laughs> Call to Call me pick, Windex, baby. There's a whole bunch of games that don't even have a line. There aren't many games. No, no it's brutal. So we're kind of out of games here. All right, I'm going to take Notre Dame. They're giving 24 and a half. I think Notre Dame was a little rusty in their opener against Duke, but there's a ton there. I South Florida struggled. I don't know, struggle, but they certainly did not blow out the Citadel. And I think Notre Dame is going to uh, dust off the cobwebs and shake down the thunder and blow South Florida out. So I am willing to give 24 and a half on the Irish. That is my lock of the week. This is mainly because there's it's either that or I take Florida Atlantic Georgia Southern game, which I'm terrified of. Um, the Sharps are betting down that line, by the way. So a Georgia Southern home dog might be uh, might be a good play. Yeah, that might be. Although it's like a hurricane. go, It's like raining through Georgia. They may not practice. I don't know. Anyway, I'm sticking with Notre Dame crushing South Florida. So that is my uh, that's my lock of the week. Last week I went 0-6. I presumably, I can't do worse. Uh, presumably, I'll do better. But uh, check us out Monday for the Overreaction Monday pod. We'll have more from Big Ten Fallout also, plus all of this. And then, look, we're starting to get close. The SEC's coming. Uh, hopefully, some of this stuff gets a little better. But uh, thanks for sticking with us during the, the uh, early part of the season here. Uh, please subscribe, share us on social media, tell your friends, leave us nice reviews. We will talk to you on Monday when we're overreacting. I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts and be sure to follow us on social media at skullduggerypod